to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX. On today's episode, joined with Samantha and Paul, they were the winners of our recent Instagram contest, and now I have the pleasure of talking with them about their Fragile X story. So thank you for being on our podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. We're excited to be here. All right, let's jump into it. So um, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, I know that you guys have a young son with Fragile X Syndrome. Um, So just share with us, you know, a little bit about him and at what age he was diagnosed and um, everything like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, Paul and I are in different cities right now, so we'll try and go back and forth. Um, um, I can tell you that our son, uh, CJ, is... 18 months old today, actually. Um, And we learned about his diagnosis two months ago when he was 16 months old. Um, Up until then, we had never heard of Fragile X before in our lives. Uh, It was a complete shock to us. Um, You know, we both have um, healthy families, no no health issues to report at all. Um, And we really like didn't see this coming. so it was it was definitely um, difficult and it still is, but um, we're processing that information and kind of just moving forward, diving into learning about what Fragile X is and how we're going to best support our son. I'll let Paul chime in here. Yeah, I think a uh, not inconsequential part of the story is that we uh, were both foster parents. I mean, together, we were foster parents um, before we had our son, CJ. So we had a pretty decent familiarity with um, developmental milestones and we recognized pretty early on that CJ was not hitting them. Um, But I think that the strength uh, of that or, or the strength that we gained from that was that we understood um, very quickly and very intuitively that all kids are different. Um, So at no point, um, and I'm just speaking for myself here at no point did I ever feel like um, we were going to have um, have to sacrifice because of uh, fragile acts or anything like that. Um, we had several kids in our home before CJ came and each one has strengths and weaknesses. So um, I think that's kind of the lens that we approached this through. Um, and we're still um, hopefully maintaining that sort of optimism now. So um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of a little bit of background uh, on our, on our history. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible outlook on that. I definitely admire you guys so much. And, um, you know, I have a cousin uh, with Fragile X Syndrome. He was actually first diagnosed with autism. Um, and then about at age two and a half, I believe, they uh, re-diagnosed him with Fragile X. So that was definitely a big shock to my family as well, as it definitely seems to be for you guys. Um mm-hmm. And like you guys, we hadn't heard about Fragile X Syndrome before either. So we definitely had to do our homework and 
um, kind of started to uh, learn about the genetic aspect of it in our family because my uh, my grandpa had Faxtas and uh, Parkinson's disease, so um, it actually came from you know that side of my family. So it was mm-hmm. very shocking to learn, and you know it is just a a journey to um, learn more about it because not many people know about fragile X syndrome. Um, and- yeah, that's one of the things that's been so um, just bizarre to me, honestly, you know, learning that fragile X is the leading cause of intellectual disability, yet almost everyone I talk to and I tell them, you know, what our son was diagnosed with, they're like, I've never heard of that before in my life. So, so it is interesting. I'm definitely, you know, will be joining the fight for advocacy um, once I get my feet under me, for sure. Absolutely. Um, So have you guys been able to, you know, since finding out about your son's diagnosis, um, have you been able to find, you know, a community of maybe other Fragile X families to kind of find some support or resources from? Um, yeah, definitely. I would say that I'm a little bit more active on social media than Paul is. Um, he, <laughs> he doesn't even have Facebook. But um, I will say that um, for specific things like this, where maybe you don't have um, people in your geographic location, social media has been so helpful to me. Absolutely. Or even if you do have people in your geographic location, but you're stuck inside because of a pandemic, you know, yeah. um, we, we found out his diagnosis during, during COVID-19. So, um, wow. it's definitely, you know, isolating for sure. But, um, yeah, I, once we got the diagnosis, um, I immediately joined the Facebook group and, um, everyone there was so welcoming and just, um, you know, virtually kind and really the families are just a wealth of knowledge and, and information, um, that you, you can't really get anywhere else. Um, I think that was one of like the scariest things for me was, was researching this. And like, you hear these terms like intellectual disability, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, and you're kind of just like lost in that. So I think I like went down <laughs> like a rabbit hole, like watching every video on YouTube <laughs> with anything to do with fragile X, like in the course of 48 hours. So um, definitely talking to other families on the Facebook group for Fragile X, um, getting on the websites for the National Fragile X Foundation and um, Fraxa Research Foundation, um, just educating myself and, and connecting with as many uh, families as possible. And then I found a few um, a few moms in San Diego, actually, and you know they said they get together um, about once a month. So I'm looking forward to, to actually meeting them in person once all the restrictions are lifted um, and it's safe to do so. Yeah, I, I guess I would jump in there and just um, add my perspective. Sam alluded to it a little bit that we approached this um, diagnosis differently. Um, and I'm a, a public school teacher. And so I do interact. Uh, I do, you know, teach students um, with a with a a wide variety of, of disabilities on a daily basis. Um, and so uh, I sort of looked at it as, you know, through, through, through that experience. And I guess I gained a little bit of comfort um, knowing that I have never seen anyone um, be cruel 
or exhibit anything but a willingness to understand um, each kid's unique differences and strengths. So I didn't specifically go looking for a Fragile X community as much as I just looked for people um, in our life who were willing to meet CJ where he is. And I think to a person that has been true. So um, everybody's been just really understanding that everybody's really excited about milestones that he's uh, reaching that um, are pretty wildly different than what their own kids um, may be reaching. I know my um, brother has a, has a baby girl, um, but he's every bit as excited about CJ um, walking while he's pushing a little uh, shopping cart as he is about um, his little girl learning to crawl at, uh, you know, eight months old, nine months old, where CJ didn't crawl until, you know, he was significantly older than that. So um, I've been really encouraged by, uh, again, that teaching experience and then also just watching how people are really, really eager to be supportive in whatever way they can. To talk more about your son, um, I definitely want to learn a ton about him as far as, you know, um, what are his favorite things to do? What are his interests? You know, what have you guys found to be some really huge joys about him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's an amazing kid. Like, we love him so much. <laughs> uh, it was funny to read like some of the, you know, it's there's a lot of things you read about Fragile X and you're like, get really disheartened, you know. But then you read like, oh, they have amazing senses of humor. And you're like, yes definitely yes (laughs) (laughs) like he's only 18 months old and he just like laughs hysterically at things like he knows what's funny and he does funny things and he'll like like the other day he burped at the dinner table and he just thought it was hilarious (laughs) um so definitely has a good sense of humor um things he loves he loves water absolutely has always loved water like bath time is his favorite and before um covid we were going to um, a really nice like rehab style pool so it was very warm it was a class um, dedicated for kids with special needs um, and so he like really enjoyed that being in the water um, and he loves music as well so like any toys like he can push a button and it makes a song like he's really intrigued by that uh, Paul do you want to jump in with some things yeah, I mean, I guess uh, my perspective on CJ is, uh, you know, I used the word disability earlier, and I, I guess that's sort of a misnomer because I really do think of it as instead of like a disability, it's like a difference of ability. Um, yes. And I do want to be really um, compassionate for people who don't understand the exact right terminology. Um, for example, just to go back to the foster care um, example, my wife and I are foster parents, and people will say, well, what about your real kid? I'm like, well, our foster kids are very real. You know, I can, I can show them to you. Um, and, it's, and it's easy to sort <laughs> yeah. of get offended by that type of thing or to say, um, you may, they may say like a normal kid versus typically developing, something like that. Um, and, and I try to just, uh, again, meet people where they are. But I will say that the sort of disability label, I, I do think is, it's not so much offensive as it's just inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has uh, their different strengths and weaknesses. And so one of CJ's strengths is, um, he really like approaches each uh, day as a as a new uh, chapter in his life. And I know that's like part of just being 18 months old, um, but it's really motivating for me. And I learn a lot from it. Um, so I guess that's sort of what I'm really looking forward to about growing with him is having him teach me about um, maybe a little bit more positive way uh, to approach sort of mundane or routine um, you know, day-to-day events, things like that. So that's, that's the part that I've loved the most is 
is watching him laugh at Home Depot or whatever, maybe, <laughs> you know, it's this sort of inconsequential event, but he, but to him it's, it's, it means yeah. uh, everything in the world. So that's been really fun. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with Paul. You know, I think that some of his struggles um, lead to him approaching things in a different way. Um, definitely language is one of his biggest struggles right now. And you'll see him like he's, he's much more observant than other kids his age. And I think that is because he doesn't always have like the, you know, expressive language that other kids do. So he has to be like really um, aware of everything and like, kind of like look out for himself sometimes I feel like, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and, and like a little bit, you know, you, you hear of, kids with fragile X have a lot of anxiety right so like even just um us being like the, near the neighbor's new puppy like that he's very curious he's very intrigued he wants to watch the puppy but like also doesn't want to, wants to make sure the puppy does not get too close because that way like he freaks out a little bit so yeah he's very observant and and I think that um if we can help him harness that like that will really pay off in life it's a very good skill to have you know Absolutely. You know, there are so many skills um, that we will, you know, start to realize in in our kids, you know, Um, like when you were talking about um, your son's skill sets and interests, you know, it makes me think about uh, how when we, uh, you know, just observe kids and just go, wow, those are amazing strengths that you know, for instance, I wish I had like my, my cousin has an impeccable memory. He remembers everybody's name after the first time that he hears it. Mm. He also has an incredible hearing. Like you'll be talking, having a conversation <laughs> with someone in a different room and then he'll come around the corner and chime in. Cause he totally knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just, it's incredible and, and, um, humorous, but I have a horrible memory. (laughs) (laughs) So we can learn a lot from our kids, um, in so many ways as we watch them develop. So that's a super, um, amazing thing, you know, just to, to be parents for sure. Um, but also, you know, when you guys found out about, uh, your son's diagnosis, What kind of, you know, I guess the best word is, like, route did you guys take? Did you guys um, receive any type of, you know, um, or have started to receive any type of, you know, speech therapies or anything like that that you guys have found helpful for him? Oh, yeah. Well, um, we definitely benefited from early intervention. One of the things that actually in the at the time we thought it was horrible but at the end of the day I think it actually um kind of helped us in a way um um, the birth was very traumatic (laughs) I don't know any other way to put it I can't put it lightly um it was very scary um there we had an emergency c-section after hours of pushing um because CJ had a cord prolapse so like the cord came out before his head came out um on one of the pushes. And so that, um, you know, we stayed in the NICU for a week after he was uh, born via emergency C-section. And when he started 
you know, missing milestones. And, you know, I was noticing things. I just like had the mom gut even from like two or three months. So just like he couldn't tolerate tummy time at all. And, you know, people would say like, oh, yeah, and you know, no, no babies love t- tummy time, you know. You just, but I just knew something was different. Um, mm-hmm. Something was off. And he had very low muscle tone. And so when he started missing those milestones, I think it was um, kind of – it wasn't certainly wasn't easy, but it was easier to get professionals um, attention by saying like, hey, listen, do you think this is a result? Like, is this any way related to the birth trauma? Um, and actually, at first, um, he ended up with um, a cerebral palsy diagnosis. Um, yeah, because um, he's just the, the gross motor was so delayed. Okay. Um, so we were able to get into PT, OT. Um, and now we have speech and he also had a, a, like an early intervention teacher come to the house once a week, just kind of work on all skills, like, you know, PTOT and speech basically, um, all together in like little activities and games that they would do with him for an hour and just teaching me some of the things that, that you could do. So, um, we were lucky to, to have that early intervention. I still kind of had to, um, to definitely fight for it. He's taught me how to be an advocate for sure. Um, but, um, we were lucky to have those things in place, um, already before he received his fragile X diagnosis. And I, and I don't, honestly, I don't know if he would even have that fragile X diagnosis right now, if I hadn't pushed for genetic testing. Right. Um, going back to the social media, um, I had joined the Facebook group for parents of kids with CP. And in that group, I, you know, I learned about the kids either having hypotonia or hypertonia, you know, high or low muscle tone. And so then I went and joined the group for kids with low muscle tone um, because that's what CJ has. And in that group, I, I learned from m- many parents that low muscle tone is is a symptom of so many genetic disorders and you know I didn't I didn't know anything about genetic disorders before this so I started researching and I went back to his doctor and I said you know I know we did a a little bit of genetic testing um, at the beginning of this journey um, but you know I've learned that there's not just like that's not like the end-all be-all like what was what was that called Um, whatever you guys did and she said it was a microarray and she said, oh, that, you know, it pretty much catches everything. And I said, well, um, I, you know, I'd like to go to a genetics specialist uh, just to be sure, you know. And that's when we, we went there. Um, she, she made the referral and we went to the, the doctor, who's a pediatrician who specializes in genetics. And um, he took special note of um, CJ's head size. Uh, he's greater than 99th percentile. And then when he was, you know, getting family history, I told him about uh, my fertility treatments. I had a very difficult time getting pregnant. And um, I think those two things cued him off. Um, And he said, you know, I'd like to test for fragile X syndrome. And that's when I went home and and researched in a a flurry. And I was like, oh, ah, I don't, I, you know, I, I waited two weeks for the test results to come back, but I I really didn't need the call to confirm. I, I knew after reading about it, that, that, that's what it was. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Everyone has their own story, you know, of 
how they've come to this, you know, fragile X diagnosis and, you Mm -hmm. know, everyone, everyone goes through it a little bit differently. And, Mm-hmm. Um, I have not actually, um, met any families. I don't believe that, you know, have started out with the CP diagnosis and then, you know, found out about fragile X. Yeah. It's interesting. And you hear a lot of people having an autism diagnosis first, right? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess for me, um, the research is, uh, the thing at this point. Um, like I said, I think we've had such good experiences with people's willingness to try to learn about CJ, um, to try to learn about Fragile X. Um, again, I'm in, a, I'm in a school every day and I see kids who are compassionate and caring and understanding and all these things. Yeah, we're um, very lucky in that regard, for sure. Yeah. So I think uh, for me, it's not so much about spreading any sort of message. Like, I think really um, we've turned a corner um, on... Um, the way that people think about intellectual disability, uh, or at least I hope we have. In my experience, we have. Um, And so I'm mostly interested in educating myself about um, what research opportunities exist. And I think being proactive um, has really benefited us. I think, first of all, it gives us sort of um, uh, concrete next steps. So instead of just sort of sitting back and um, absorbing information, we've been really proactive and like, okay, so should we go see this? specialist or, you know, should we think about moving or, you know, all these different uh, questions Mm -hmm. rather than um, taking a more passive approach. Uh, But yeah, I think uh, pursuing that uh, research is sort of my um, interest. And I think uh, going back to sort of your first question, like what sort of supports have you found and things like that? For me, um, those action steps are really the things that have been sort of more calming to me. Um, Whereas Sam, I think, has done a good job of reaching out and uh, reaching out and networking with other families with, uh, you know, so kids with similar issues, things like that. Yeah, I think um, I would just, you know, for other families who are recently diagnosed, I would say, like, for sure, I'll, I'll admit that, like, the, that first week when I was just researching and finding every video I could and, like, realizing, oh, my gosh, th- this is what is actually going on with CJ. Like, I, I was crying every night. I, I was very upset. Um, of course, like no one, you don't, you don't get pregnant and dream to have a child, um, that has a genetic syndrome, right? Like that's just an adjustment that has to be made. Um, so I would just say like, um, yes, definitely there's a a grieving period and it's different for everyone. Um, but I'm only two months in and honestly, like I, I'm so much more at peace with it. Like at first it, it was kind of it was kind of devastating for me, you know, but I, once I got through that and started like advocating for my son and just seeing things in a, in a more positive light, um, and just being thankful that, that he's here on this earth with me, um, and Paul, um, as a family, just, just appreciating that I'm just two months out and I'm so much better. So just for newly diagnosed families know that it does, it does get better. It does. Absolutely. Well, I definitely admire both of your guys's um, outlooks on your son and just um, being proactive about it, like you said, Paul, rather than, you know, just kind of sitting back um, makes a huge difference, not only in the life of your son, but also just as a family, of course, and just how that can be an encouragement to um, other families that, 
um, you know, go through the same thing of, of having a newly diagnosed child with fragile X or maybe a family member or, or what have you, um, your guys's outlook is, is definitely going to be a huge encouragement to other families. And, um, Paul, just from hearing about your standpoint as a teacher is really amazing. And I definitely admire that as well. So, um, I appreciate you guys so much sharing on your, your son and just, um, uh, giving me a little bit of your time. Um, I'm really excited about how this, uh, episode will be an encouragement to the Fragile X community, um, and how it will just encourage those newly diagnosed families. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having us. And if anyone wants to, um, follow CJ's journey, you know, and learn alongside of us, um, as as we get into this Fragile X world, um, you can find him on Instagram at CJ the warrior. I love that name. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Talk FX. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk Fragile X to keep up to date on the latest episodes. You can listen to Talk Fragile X on the major podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm-hmm.